All right, when I was in the ninth grade, my friend brought me out to see a band called Creep Creep Beach play a warehouse show in downtown Toronto. That experience changed my life and brought me into the local Toronto music scene. The singer in that band is a guy named Jacob Switzer. Jacob has moved well beyond Creep Creep Beach and well beyond the confines of the Toronto music scene. He now plays and sings in Toronto-based rock band Goodbye Honolulu and has just released a solo album under the name Jay Feelbender. And he's in the studio with us today to talk about his favorite music. This is Having a Chat. Alrighty, Jacob, Jay Feelbender, Jacob from Goodbye Honolulu, hey, welcome hey. to having a chat. How are you? Happy to be here, man. Ready to have a chat with you. Alright, um, so the uh, the first song that I picked, um, just to give the listeners some context, it's, uh, it's your band's song, it's a tune called You Got It by your band Goodbye Honolulu. Uh, what can you tell us about this song? I was talking to you a bit before, it was a song that I originally had written for my solo project, uh, Jay Feelbender. And I was just like in my in my old my parents' house a while back, and just writing the song. I was like, I was listening to a bunch of kind of like grimy, like street lo-fi uh, garage tunes, and just kind of that that just kind of came out. And then eventually, I just brought it to Goodbye, and was like, I think this will be this will be fun. And they were like, Dude, this is sick. Yeah, it's kind of our first song with drum machine in it, which was kind of yeah. like the first step in that direction for us. Um, and they liked it, and then we kind of polished it up, and yeah. So is is the sort of you know moving towards the drum machine is that something that you guys plan on sticking with because I've I've noticed it becoming a little bit more common in rock and roll music, mm-hmm. um, and I and I think it's really really cool I think it I think it adds a whole other layer to the sound but do you see that as being something that's going to stick around, in like in terms of our band or just in general in your band yeah yeah uh, the new album that we just basically have finished up definitely has some drum machine in it. I think that you got it was the song where we were like, we should start throwing this into some more stuff. Like, why not? Um, a lot of bands that we listen to have drum machines, and right. it seems to be pretty subtle a lot of the time. Like, it's like kind of could be real dramas, but then you kind of you're right. like, what would be some examples of that? I mean, Broncho, right. they do have a live drummer, but I do like a lot of it feels very automated, yeah. or at least like uh, like you know that song. Um, Get in my car, I think it is by them. Right, right. Yeah. It's like just very like kind of like tight. Yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. like a drum machine, even if it's not. I guess so. That feel was sort of like what we were, what we were into. Right. Um. So it's not all over the album, but it's something that we're definitely like looking into. We're we just toying with it a little. Yeah, bit. for yeah. sure. So, um, for those who haven't seen it, the music video for this song is is wild. It's mm-hmm. got you guys, you know, messing around in a car. You you've got like skeleton masks on. Yeah. Like just what what's going on there? <laughs> what the heck is going on? Uh, we basically, Emmett and I got together, um, and just were like brainstorming stuff for the video. Mm. We, again, we, since, like I said before, it was like the general feel of it was sort of like, I mean, literally some of the lyrics are like inner city down, mm-hmm. burn the city down. So it was like kind of about like city life and like grimy city life weekend, kind of like weird, weird. <laughs> can I swear on this? Like, nah, but we'll, cut, we'll <laughs> okay. edit it out. Weird stuff. You can just cut that. Yeah. <laughs> weird, weird stuff. Um, and then, uh, yeah, so then basically we came up with the uh, general idea of the video, which was, like, driving around. Fox's mom has this old, like, Mercedes car. Right. So we got that from her. Um, 
And then in the middle of shooting, we had like a GoPro kind of on the car that we were just driving around with, and right. it fell off and did this crazy like roll. Right, on the floor. yo, that part's crazy. Yeah, and that just happened, and we're like, oh, f- the thing fell off. Like, yeah. we, like we, we, we looked at the, and then we looked at the footage, and we're like, that's crazy. Yeah, like, it looks so cool. And we already had the skeleton mask, but then it kind of all came together in this sort of like maybe we died in like a car crash kind right, of thing. Right, right, and then we kind of like because right after that we pick it up and we're all in the skeleton mask and we're kind of like messing around. Yeah. So it basically was just sort of an aesthetic video which was like this kind of creepy like city like grimy aesthetic mm-hmm. and then it kind of got pulled together by this mistake which made it I think into more of like a narrative which all was right. cool. Awesome. All right. Well this is Goodbye Honolulu with You Got It on CJRU. So for those who are just joining us, we are here with Jacob Switzer from Goodbye Honolulu. And for those who aren't uh, aren't too familiar with Jacob, uh, before we listen to one of his tunes, we are going to do a quick lightning round of questions. Let's go. And uh, don't think too hard about these. Just kind of you know throw them out as they come up. Sounds good. Uh, where'd you grow up? Toronto, Ontario. First concert. Oh, geez. Uh, I mean, I went to a lot of festivals with my parents growing up. My dad used to play in a, right. a few bands. So I went to like this festival called Blue Skies. It's kind of the first one that I really remember being at. Right. Probably saw quite a few bands there, so I can't say. 
All right, that was probably the first thing I, I went to so many different things. But first concert that I ever remember wanting to go to and like getting my dad to buy me tickets to was the Killers. Okay, nice, <laughs> yeah. nice. They're I, I, they're like very good. Like I very saw them in Brisbane. Um, uh, first album you ever bought, uh, or was purchased for you? Right. Uh, I bought an al- I bought a song off iTunes that I remember specifically. Like when I was I was scared to go on iTunes because I was so afraid I was going to buy something accidentally and my dad mm-hmm. was going to flip on me or whoever would. But then I there was this, you know, it was like the free song of the week. Right. There was a song by this band called Islands, and it was called Rough Gem. And it was like the song of the week, and I listened to it like a hundred times. And I was nice. like, I'm going to buy this. So my dad bought it for me. And then after that, I remember buying um, the Red Hot Chili Peppers album. Uh, it was the one before. One? It was the one before California Cation, or what was it? Or no, it was the one before Stadium Arcadium. Okay, gotcha. Was, do you know what that one was? Uh, no, no, that would have been, um, by the way. It was the one that had Can't Stop on it. I don't know. That. Isn't that Blood No, no. No, that was definitely by the way. All I remember is that I loved "Can't Stop," and Can't I was stop. like, "I gotta, I gotta get this album." <laughs> it's a big tune. All right, yeah. uh, guilty pleasure artist. Ooh, um, uh-huh. I mean, like, there's some. I'm really into like a lot of like pretty like mainstream hip hop rap artists right now. Right. So like, I'd say maybe some guilty pleasure would be like. Jeez, like Lil Uzi Vert or something like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, um, favorite Beatle. Oh, um, I think I'd say. Oh God, it's so hard, man. I think I'd say musically John. Right. As a person, Paul. All right. Yeah. And uh, last one, just because it's because it's me, Liam or Noel. Uh, also, really tough. Uh, Liam. Yeah. yeah. All right. <laughs> no one said Noel yet. Yeah. So far, no yeah. one has said Noel. It's all been Liam. I mean, Liam, it feels like Liam embraces his like assholery. Yeah. To such an extent where it's like, I. Yeah. Noel's just like, meh. Yeah. No, that, that's that's a very very fair yeah. assessment. Cool. Now you know me. Alrighty. Thank you for that. And uh, what song have you got next for us? It's a song called I Think You're Alright by uh, JSOM, which is uh, an artist I've been into for quite a while. She's released like a few really great albums. Um, this is a song I just found recently. I don't know if it's an older song or if it just I just didn't know it. Um, but it's a bit different from a lot of the other music that I've heard by her, and it's like way more low-key, super chill. The lyrics are like just kind of heartbreaking, but in a great right. way. And as soon as I heard it, I was like just immediately inspired by it, and I was like, "Wow, I want to like write music like this." Right. So, I was so like, when did you first hear it? Recently, it was like two weeks ago. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so, like, but how long have you been listening to her? Uh, probably like two years or something like that. Or, right. Yeah, yeah. She had a couple like singles that were kind of like little kind of hits. I think that right. I heard she played in Toronto, and I saw her. I think Luna Lee opened up for her. Right. Um, and it was. Super sweet. And then, yeah, so I knew her music, but this song kind of just struck me. Yeah. Um, a lot of it, other music that I've heard is a lot more, like, groovy and chill, full band kind of style right. thing, and it's super sweet. But this song is a lot more pared down, and it's just, like... It's a bit more it, emotional yeah. and kind of, yeah. It reminds me a bit of, like, Sparkle Horse. I don't know if you know that band. No, I don't. Um, yeah, and it's uh, just very chill. All right, yeah. cool. Well, this is JSOM on CJRU.
All right, that was I Think You're All Right by JSOM on CJRU. Uh, we are here in the studio having a chat with Jacob Switzer. Uh, what song have you got next for us? I believe it's Broncho. Broncho, yeah. So that's a band that I found a few years ago, and the whole Goodbye Honolulu band kind of just like got really into them. Mm-hmm. Uh, super sweet. Like the first couple of albums were seemed were pretty lo-fi mm-hmm. sounding and felt pretty like raw. Mm-hmm. Then it kind of evolved into just like really kind of psyche, like trippy, yeah. beautiful music. Yeah. So I don't know, like. It just it was really inspiring, I think. And uh, well, they've been around for a while. Like yeah. we were talking about this before. Like I, like I saw them at Canadian Music Week at the Sheraton Hotel mm-hmm. when I was in probably grade eleven or something. Um, but so, given the fact that they've been around and there's sort of been this progression for them, like how has that progression helped influence you guys? Yeah. Well, I also felt like I when I got into them, like when I first got into them, I basically like. The main guy, uh, I think his name's Lindsay. He had a solo project that I just found, and it's like right. so folky and like right. like super different. So it made me kind of realize that I felt like this band was almost sort of a character for him. Right. I don't know him, so I can't really speak to it. But it, I felt like to me that it was almost like sort of a character to him. Right. Um. Because he's on there, he has like a big long leather jacket. He's like yeah. he always chews gum when he's on stage. Right. So he's kind of like chewing gum and like weirdly dancing and like it's a super. He seems super weird in Broncho. Right. So it felt to me like sort of a character thing that he like chose to kind of do. Um, which I kind of like liked. I was like, there's some bands where you're like, oh, this isn't authentic, but this just felt like it was him, but like a other side of him right, or something. Right, right, right. It's sort of like, um, uh, what's an example? Like, like um, Tyler with, yeah. um, like early Tyler the Creator with totally. Goblin and, and stuff like that, yeah. how he just sort of had, it wasn't inauthentic, it's yeah. just sort of like a... An exaggerated yeah. kind of like... It's idealistic. almost so inauthentic that it's not inauthentic yeah. in it, a way. That's the thing. I think if someone's doing something that's like, similar to them maybe yeah. but like well i don't know but so like purposefully over the top yeah, that, yeah yeah but yeah like for tyler you'd watch videos of him just like messing around with his friends and yeah. like you know he's you could see the connection between his music and that yeah he was still like ignorant and like over the top yeah but it was definitely sort of like a care obviously like yonkers or whatever like he's yeah. doing a thing in that yeah for sure so i felt the kind of the same way maybe not quite as drastically but i was like right. oh this is really cool that it's sort of like they chose an image and aesthetic and kind of like went for it right when we saw them live, I saw them live at the Horseshoe, uh, right. like maybe two years ago, and they just set up this. It, they were they started playing so late because I think they had to set up this whole thing. But it was like this big mirror behind them, like this big oh. like mirror setup, and they had all these lasers, and just basically thought I was in like Laser Quest, Damn. But in like a dope way. And I was right. like, this is super sick. So that as well, I was like, the live performance ties into like their whole aesthetic that they've always had. Right. So I just was like, it immediately was like, this is a really cool band, and I like love this. And where does this song sort of land in that progression of, that you were talking about? This song was on the first album that I really got into by them. Right. There may be other songs. I mean, there's other songs that I kind of potentially listen to more. Mm-hmm. But this one felt like maybe the most accessible song, first of right. all, for them. Besides, well, they had one really big hit, which was in like a bunch of like indie movies and stuff. Right. It's like, ba, ba, okay, is, yeah, yeah, which yeah. is a sweet song, but it's like I felt almost like too like. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but this song feels like super accessible, but also just like a really gnarly song. Yeah. Okay. So I was like, if it was like, this is a good one to just like, if people are going to listen to this, be like, oh, cool. Like, I like this song. Yeah, Check them out. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, this is Broncho on CJRU.
Alrighty, that was Stay Loose by Braun Show. If you're just joining us, we are here with Jacob Switzer of Goodbye Honolulu and Jay Fieldbender having a chat about some of his favorite tunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's next for us? Next up, we got uh, Costa Rica by Dreamville. Well, Dreamville is like a record label. Okay. Um, it was started by J. Cole, the nice. rapper. Okay, cool. And this song I chose because like there's a, there's a documentary that's on YouTube and it's basically about the process of this album, which right. I think won or at least was nominated for some uh, Grammys this year. Mm-hmm. And it was basically a crazy collaboration idea project thing that they came up with at the label. Um, it was kind of like a Willy Wonka, like golden ticket kind of thing, where basically right. they just like sent out these invites to like all these rappers and producers that they kind of respected. Mm-hmm. And then they rented out this crazy studio, I think in LA. I forget where exactly. I think it was in LA though. And it was like a big studio with like tons of rooms and mm-hmm. basically just had like tons of artists, tons of producers come in. And then like it was kind of a free for all to a certain extent, from what I understand where they all went to just different rooms and people would be walking around and entering different rooms and just laying down like verses and wow. the best verses would make it into the songs. So just like a massive sort of creative hub basically totally. and just sort of, you know, yeah. this is the fruits of their labor more or less. And it seemed really like intense. Like it seemed like people were like kind of like trying to get in things where they couldn't get in. There's so many people. They're trying to get yeah. into something else and like the, the producers would be like, yeah, like your verse is pretty good but like this guy was like really killing it and like it seemed like it was kind of like not competitive but like intense. And, yeah. like, What's the documentary of, called? I think it's just called like Dreamville Making of whatever cool. the album's called. I think it's called Revenge of the Dreamers is right. the album. And so this is the so the whole album was made yeah, through this process yeah. of just bringing people and together. And I think there's tons of other songs that were also made that, that didn't make it on the album that then, right. the, then the producers or artists were able to take and put on their albums or right. whatever. But basically the best of the whole thing became this album. Right. And then just like each song, not every single one, but each song has like at least, I think, three people on it. Right. Um, and it just seemed like a really, I was basically just inspired by the idea of that. And I was right. like, I mean, I don't make like rap or hip hop. I really do appreciate that kind mm-hmm. of music. Like that's what I listen to a lot of the time. But I think that to do something like that in sort of like our world of music would also be really cool. I don't know right. how it would work because the producing thing is a different thing. It, it's a different world. game for yeah. sure. But I mean, there is definitely this sort of crossover in culture between the two genres where you have kind of an emergence of this DIY aesthetic in hip hop. Mm-hmm. So like groups like Brockhampton, um, the whole grime scene in the UK. Totally. I mean, like Skepta was really famous for having his "That's Not Me" video costing like twenty seven dollars yeah, or right, something right. like that. Um, so uh, you know, and then Odd Future, obviously being mm-hmm. a huge part of that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what is it? Do you think that rock and roll bands can learn from that? And yeah. what is it that you think that hip hop groups can can pull from rock and roll bands? Well, I almost feel like I was talking about this recently that I I do feel like rap stars are the new like rock stars mm-hmm. from or like what rock stars used to be in like right. the 70s and stuff, which a lot of there's a lot of like bad stuff involved yeah, in that yeah, too. No doubt. But the sort of general like fandom around that and mm-hmm. the like kind of crazy like over the top like yeah. party kind yeah. of mentality, I think has kind of been adopted by like rap stars. Mm-hmm. The rap scene kind of like rocks that yeah well Again, so, not the, yeah. just like the actual like kind of like hype mentality yeah no of yeah. course well yeah. so i mean what's interesting is uh, i thought this might be the first episode where i don't mention liam gallagher but it's uh <laughs> it's coming in. Uh, it's coming in um basically i mean there's this um you know there's all these interviews where he's talking about you know the sort of the state of rock and roll today and, and and he seems to be of the opinion that like um that the grime artists in the uk like you said are yeah. the new sort of rock stars right, right. both in, in terms of the attitude more than anything just mm-hmm. sort of like working class kids who just this is their way of sort of you know sticking it to people in positions of authority and 
that's why. I mean, like, he he was going to have slow tie opening mm-hmm. up for him on his tour um, until he got scooped up by Brockhampton. Right. But um, I think that there is definitely a sort of shrinking of the gap mm-hmm. for sure. I think that's rock and roll and punk too. Like you see punk exactly. rap too now. So I feel like that's sort of that. Like you said, that's sort of the new like stick it to the man mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like again, I loved Green Day when I was little, but I feel mm-hmm. like that type of like stick it to the man is sort of like really a little bit past that now. Yeah, like, for sure. American Idiot, great song. I loved that. But yeah. now I feel like when pe- people were hurt to hear that again now, it'd be like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, exactly. It's been done, right? It's been done. Whereas yeah. I feel like rap, 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 and like rap punk that's just kind of coming yeah. out now. They're really in uncharted territory. And exactly. It's really, really yeah. cool. Um, as well as I think that also, like you said, like I think the like garage rock scene that was happening in California with like, just basically being like huge stoners yeah. slash like doing drugs and mm-hmm. sort of like just diving into their art and their music is mm-hmm. also sort of in the same way in the rap scene. Yeah. So like those two things kind of mirror each other as well. Like, and they get along, like yeah. you see people like waves or at a certain point, like based room of death playing right. with like rappers and yeah, they, it, sure. it worked. So, yeah. All right. Well, this is Dreamville on CJRU. I got big dreams, so my watch got a big face. Girls getting missing like a motherfucking mistake. I'm smelling like money and I'm looking like sex. I'm outside for real with the slimes and the snacks. Nigga ride away, then the nigga get taxed. Feel no pants and I fill them up with racks. They all ball cap and this all facts. No, I don't relax and I don't lack. Demons, they follow me deep in the dark. Niggas got problems with being a boss. We ain't been home, but we hear all the talking. Hit them with hollows and clean them with salt. Salt in the wound and my heart in the cooler. Frozen like I gave my heart to my jeweler. Told them to make a new piece out of this ever since. I just can't get no fuck by no bitch. Check. Baby, yeah. had a bust down on the AP. Yeah, baby, yeah. ain't no rich styles on you lately. Rich. Yeah, I got fans in Costa Rica. I got fans in Costa Rica. I got fans in Costa Rica. I got that Mike Jack know just before the vitiligo. Norman Bates with the eights, I'm a ghost psycho. Laundry mat with the temper, this is vicious psycho. Feel like Rihanna, bitches go wherever I go. Go against the grain like I'm battling the silo. I'm going out west like a motherfucking 5 LeBron in the finals, motherfucking 5 Nigga been under 5 4, hella final. Niggas got me tight like Arthur's fist and shit. Like I'm not an arsonist and shit. Not a nigga that you wanna argue with. Cause then you fucking with your future like Larson Pippin shit. Boy, I'm like a barber with the shit. You get out the chair, you get in the chair. The things in the mirror, the way they appear. You look to the rear, my niggas is near, my niggas revered. You fucking with mess, you fucking with ass. Baby, yeah. had a bust down on the AP. Yeah, baby, yeah. ain't no rich styles on you lately. Rich. Yeah, I got fans in Costa Rica. I got bands in Costa Rica. I got fans in Costa Rica. I got bands in Costa Rica. I got balled up, honey's in my pocket. Diamonds on me, water like a faucet. Got a lot of bands in Costa Rica, a lot of hoes in Costa Rica. Got a password in my pocket. And I flew with a stick, it's a rocket. 45 on me, shit hot like a pocket. You ain't talking money, it's nonsense. Got your baby mama doing drugs in a mosh pit. Top of the morning to anybody who thought it was Betty by GD. I'm like a Jedi, mind tricks live inside of your head. I devilish red eyes, never been on a red eye. A Jedi be high again. Shorty said I be wildin' and trippin' when I'm on a lick. Score a penny, a 20 of Dominic Wilkins and shit. Really, I flew to Costa Rica with the AP. At the airport, this girl asked me, hey. Are you Slimmy? Wow. Baby, yeah. had a bust down on the AP. Yeah. Baby, yeah. ain't no rich styles on you lately. Rich. Yeah. I got fans in Costa Rica. I got bands in Costa Rica. I got bands in Costa Rica. I got bands in Costa Rica. 
suffering, suck a tash. She think it's all pretty cap of hair. I ain't even mad. I started sucking on the titty, put my thumb in the ass. She had a little one. It really wasn't nothing to grab, but did it anyway. Nigga, I'm a bag. Coming down to 91, flying, doing the dash. We going in today. And I been riding my ass, so furnace him away. She ain't got shit else to say. I got too much skills, I flow like the water, too surprised I did not go kills, and I am your father like you was Luke Skywalker, and I concur, and let it burn like Usher's perm, and kill confirm, you look concerned, respect is earned, uh, you really be in it, be gotta be kidding me, uh, you really be sick in it, I got the remedy, uh, I'm feeling like Google, bitch, I need your energy, uh, okay, going on a date with an AK, yeah, okay, go on a date with an AK, baby, had a bust down on the AP, yeah, baby, And I'm rich styles on you lately, yeah. I got fans in Costa Rica. 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 Alrighty, that was Dreamville and a whole number of featured artists mm-hmm. with uh, with Costa Rica. And during the break, we were talking about this idea of sort of um, what musicians do with their money. So um, before the song, uh, Jacob mentioned Waves, and we were talking about how he's become a landlord and how there's been all this fuss about it, but how in hip hop, um, you know, if you, if you take your money and invest it smartly, you know, start a company or something that's seen as, as being a good thing. Like what, mm-hmm. what can you, what, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, even just like immediately thinking about like Drake where it's like, right. he's been like praised so hard for going in on these business ventures. Mm-hmm. And I definitely see that as like a smart move kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like make some money, do something with it, mm-hmm. invest it. Don't just be like, cool. I have this and now I'm going to like spend it on like, stuff I don't need mm-hmm. or whatever which you do see a lot where it's like I'm gonna buy like some like sick ass jewelry or yeah. like buy a car immediately and yeah. it's like you can buy a car but maybe just like <laughs> yeah. buy a, a slightly less expensive car and invest some of that money exactly, which yeah. a lot of people I think do a lot of artists are like sort of kind of learning like I'm gonna immediately do something with this money and then yeah. like I'll be set for a lot longer yeah that way yeah like because you know you, you can't I mean if we're taking waves as an yeah. example, you can't be in waves forever. Like yeah. you can't be like just those songs. Like frankly, I mean, I love waves. Yeah. They've been one of my favorite bands yeah. for a long time. I don't really want to see Nathan Williams as like a fifty-year-old man no. singing "King of the Beach." It's was, just you know, like, totally. I was even about to say like I think "King of the Beach." People got into him, got into waves after that, right? And then like loved the albums after that just as much. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of the songs from the other albums as well. Right. But I feel like that was definitely like the hit maker album for sure. He probably made a lot of money off that album. Yeah. But he then went and bought this, bought different properties with, yeah. and, and now is renting them out, mm-hmm. which I think was a really smart move because now I don't know how many more albums he's going to do that are. Go- I don't even know if he'll ever make an album that's going to bring go be as big as that album. No. Yeah. I think a lot of artists need to recognize that if if we in a band made a really like killer album that made a lot of money mm-hmm. I would think I would be like smart enough to be like cool this may never happen again like yeah. hopefully it does we're gonna keep making music yeah. but like this but nothing's happen. guaranteed exactly. in life man like especially in this industry like it's, it's yeah. so volatile and so up in the air so if you make that first bit of bank like do something with yeah. it yeah don't just be like oh it'll happen again so it's like I would never count on that yeah. like no you gotta you gotta spend your money wisely mm-hmm. um, what song have you got next for us I believe it is Shannon the Clams Ozma um, so this is a song that I found in high school mm-hmm. when I was kind of like diving into the kind of garage rocky, kind of garage pop mm-hmm. music when the first time I found it. Um, I was really into bands like Harlem, mm-hmm. um, which is also a band that kind of like really uh, initially inspired me. Like we were talking about Waves, mm-hmm. some of Waves' early music really inspired me. Basically it was just music that I felt like, I could do this. Like, yeah. oh, this music's so, so sweet and like really hits me like... In an emotional, an emotional spot, yeah. but it feels like something that I could like create on myself as yeah. well. 
which was super inspiring to me. Um, so a lot of bands like that were like the initial kind of kick for me to be like, I could just like, I don't need to like wait for anything. I can just sit at home and make music. Like, why not? So Shannon and the Clams was definitely a thing like that for me. Um, it definitely also got me kind of started on that like doo-wop kind of right, like right, kick, right. which I listened to before. Like my parents had obviously, you know, played some of that and whatever and I heard it around. But that sort of lo-fi doo-wop was yeah. like immediately hit me and I was like, oh, I love this. So it's funny that you talk about just like these bands sort of having the influence of sort of showing you that you can do this too. So, yeah. um, and I, I've, I'm sure I've told you this before, but like your old band, Creep Creep Beach, mm-hmm. that was like the first sort of local scene show that I ever went to awesome. when I was in like the 10th grade. Yeah. And I remember thinking like, these guys aren't that much older than me. Mm-hmm. I can I can do this too. And it, and it just, so it, it's cool to see how that sort of, you know, it's almost like a chain of inspiration, so yeah. to speak. Um, but who who are who are some others that have sort of influenced um, you in the same way? I also just want to quickly say that you saying that it's like I, I love like that's one of the biggest compliments to me. Like I've heard that a few times of just people being like, "Oh, I saw you guys like back in high school, and mm-hmm. like that was such a cool experience for me because it seemed like you guys were really like I don't know, I don't know, just doing well, I guess to yeah. a certain extent, I guess in the high school scene, whatever yeah. it was." <laughs> But that was such a compliment. It's like that. I, then after that, I just like decided to like do it, and I was yeah. like, "That's what like meant the most to me was hearing that, and also because that that hearing these bands mm-hmm. was was the equivalent of that for yeah, me. Where for it was sure. like, I want to do this. I can do this. I've seen this. Like going to their shows when they come to Toronto, there's like 15 people there, and yeah. you're like, "What? This is such an amazing band. How is this yeah. possible?" And then now a lot of these bands are like. I mean, Shane and the Clams just was just on an opening tour for the Black Keys. It's yeah. Like, okay. Like they're really blowing up. Obviously, Waves did really well. Harlem, I think, broke up. But <laughs> well, um, you know, yeah, two out of yeah, three yeah, is not exactly. bad. Um, but some bands that kind of did that for me. I mean, in the Toronto scene, there's a band called Hooded Fang. Right. And when I first heard them, I was like really blown away, and they were pretty inspiring. Um, they have a song called Den of Love, which just was like also kind of in the same vein, like the kind of like doo woppy mm-hmm. kind of like lo-fi thing. And I just was like blown away by that. Both these songs were kind of like just instrumental to my high school like growing up right music taste right yeah. all right cool well, this is shannon and the clams with osmo on cjru
If you're just tuning in, that was Shannon and the Clams with Osmo. We are here having a chat with Jacob Switzer of Goodbye Honolulu and Jay Feelbender. Uh, next up, we've got a song by Ty Siegel. What can you tell us about it? Ty Siegel, I mean, it kind of ties into the other thing we were talking about, just a huge inspiration for me. Like, when I first heard them, I was like, this is just so awesome. Mm-hmm. And, like, it was a huge uh, influence. Um, it was one of those things where... I mean, again, like, I guess it's not too different from Shannon the Clams in terms of inspiration for me. It was something in high school that, like, my friend, my friend Will Spratley, who was sort of, like, actually uh, at the forefront of, like, discovering a lot of these bands mm-hmm. and was just shown to me. And he actually came to me and he was like, all right, man, I'm going to show you my favorite band right now. He was like, I've been keeping this a secret because it's, like, so good. I don't even want to, like, show it to people. And I was like, all right, like, let it on me. And he was like, all right, his name's Ty Siegel. And he showed me, uh, I think it was Goodbye Bread. Um, that's the first. That's the first Ty Siegel song I ever heard. My yeah. cousin Jess showed it to yeah. me. Yeah, I think that was a good yeah. intro. Did it for, yeah, for sure. And then I kind of just dived into the rest of the stuff. And then this album, uh, Melted, which I think I think is my favorite album that he's ever done. A lot of them are really really good, but that one just like again, it was the album that kind of like hit home for me. Yeah. Um, and just like hit after hit on that. Uh, and I remember also just like when I was on YouTube, like looking through it. There's this one where he plays a Sonic Boom. And I just was like, that's so cool. Like, he's playing a Sonic no Boom. Way. Like, what? Then it was like a three-piece and just thrashing. Because um, Sonic Boom used to do that a lot. Like, yeah. I mean, I, I saw Fucked Up at Sonic Boom. Yeah. I saw Shad at yeah. Sonic Boom. Like, they had black lips at one yeah, time. They like, just had, like, good, crazy It used bands. to be almost like in the same way that like Amoeba in L.A. is very, very famous for hosting bands. Totally. Like, Sonic Boom used to do that quite a bit. They don't even do that at all anymore. No, they? not at all. Yeah, not right. at all. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if that's just been, like, a change in the industry. Like, if playing record store shows is just not a thing anymore right. or if that's just you know whatever like lease agreement they have i mean i'm, I'm, I'm sure it was hard to speculate i'm sure it was hard to do i guess yeah, there's so much yeah. like merchandise in the place that, oh my god to have yeah. like people i remember i went to see a show bad bad not good play at sonic boom like right i skipped class in high school and went to go watch them yeah and it was like you know it was awesome but there's people like packed in between the cd things oh yeah i remember yeah. my backpack just knocking some cds off the thing and i was like oops but just was like i'm sure that like for any actual big show it could probably be pretty annoying for them yeah but it was always awesome yeah it was just like Super yeah, I remember sweet. I saw Fucked Up play there once, and they it was they had just released um, Glass Boys, mm. and the, one of the cool things about Glass Boys is they did a special release of it where they they had the album twice, mm-hmm. and the first one was the regular album, and then the second one was had the drums at halftime, oh, um, so or rather the, the drums were playing in halftime, yeah, yeah. and. Uh, so when they played at Sonic Boom, they had two drummers, one playing in halftime, one playing in full time. It was crazy. the craziest thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that that that's that's definitely a sort of a, a piece of the Toronto music scene that I miss. Yeah. Um, from the high school area. Um, anyway, this is Ty Siegel on CJRU.
Alrighty, if you're just joining us, that was Ty Siegel on CJRU. And during the break, we were talking about bands with work ethics. And we, we were specifically, you know, we started talking about Bad, Bad, Not Good. And this time that uh, Jacob and I both saw Bad, Bad, Not Good at Oceaga. And the rain came down heavy and they had to stop playing. But uh, their drummer kept the crowd going. He mm-hmm. basically just played his drums, got people chanting. Um, which which we were saying just speaks so much to their work ethic. Yeah, it became like in my mind one of the kind of coolest live shows I'd ever seen. It just yeah. was like in the pouring rain, everyone's chanting. The energy was amazing. They didn't cancel, which just felt so cool. So a lot of their bands were just canceling. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, work ethic and also just like uh, Im- like improvising in a moment uh, when it kind of seems like you don't you shouldn't or you don't need mm-hmm. to, and like that can always be that could be the coolest moment I think for fans. For sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, we were talking about just like when you go to a show and maybe there's no one there mm-hmm. and like, you know, a lot of the time it can feel like maybe you're just like, all right, let's just like either not like, like not play this, play a really mm-hmm. short set or just like not give our all to mm-hmm. it. Like, why would we? There's like six people here. Mm-hmm. Like, just let's just get this over with or whatever. So sometimes we definitely felt like that. Um, there was a show we played in Cleveland where there was like literally not one person came. It was just mm-hmm. the people who were at the bar and there was like six people just facing away from us mm-hmm. at the bar. And it was just like, okay, well, this doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. But there was another show we played um, in uh, Lincoln, Nebraska, which was just like, where are we? What are we doing? But <laughs> we played a show, and there was like, I don't know, it's probably like 15, 20 people there, which is like good, but it was a kind of a bigger room, and it was kind right. of like people were spread out. Yeah, it just looked empty. It wasn't a good energy. Like, no one was like dancing, or it mm-hmm. wasn't like a great energy. But we played the show. We gave it our all. Like, we just were like, let's just have fun with this. Why mm-hmm. not? Have fun, but like, do it, do it about how we do it. And then afterwards, the guy who like ran the bar was like, "That was amazing. Like, I book here, and there's like this is there's this, there's this venue which is kind of cool and fun, but there's also this like three thousand cap venue that I also book for, and the Growlers are coming uh, next year. I'd love to have you guys come open for them." And we were like, "What?" And then we kept in touch with that guy, and it's just like, out of that show where we were like, "No one's here. Doesn't matter. Yeah, there happened. There's like that kind you of thing. You never know, man. It's the thing you always thing. hear about. Like, you never know who's in the audience, and it's like you literally never and this know. Is, this is crazy because we we were before we started. Recording, we were talking about this show. Um, it's like this legendary gig back in Manchester in the 70s where the Sex Pistols played, um, and there were 40 people in the audience. Of that 40 people were Joy Division, who would eventually become New Order, uh, the Buzzcocks, and the Happy Mondays. Like okay. three of undeniably the most influential bands Madness. of all time. Who else? Yeah, well, well, Tony Wilson. Tony And oh, Tony wow. Wilson was the guy who... Like I mean, he none of those Madchester, yeah, none yeah, of yeah. that, none of those bands would have existed. Yeah, right. Were it not for him, and and it was just so you you never know. But the point yeah. is, is that just give it your all. Give it your if it's all. not working exactly, like improvise, like just like I think the worst thing is just to like give up and yeah. be like, oh, okay, well it doesn't matter, let's just stop. It's yeah. like mm, nah. I mean. I felt like that for sure, and yeah. it's hard to kind of overcome that sometimes. Yeah. Or just, but I think it's important. And even if, and even if like that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. that yeah. doesn't mean it's a failure. You just you just played a show totally. with your friends yeah. in Lincoln, Nebraska, <laughs> yeah. of all places. Yeah, exactly. Like that's so strange. Yeah. Um, <laughs> all right, so uh, we are now approaching the CanCon quota segment mm-hmm. of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you may or may not know. Canadian law requires that uh, 30% of the songs that we play uh, be Canadian content. So we are going to fill our entire CanCon quota with this one segment. So we've got three songs um, from an album that Jacob has picked. Uh, what have you got for us? It's called Let It Die by Feist. I think it was her uh, 
2005 album. I think it was basically her breakout album mm-hmm. that, that got her a lot of attention. I remember just being in 2005. I would have been in grade five, and I remember just like drive, getting drive to school with my mom, and she would just be playing this music. And it was mm-hmm. like at the time I just liked it. And you know, you know, when you listen to your parents' music they put on the car, right. you're just like, cool. I also didn't know anything about music, but now I've kind of grown a a, a, a new appreciation for it. Right. I've been listening to it a lot recently. And I'm just like, this is such killer music. Like yeah. it's so good. Half the songs, I'm like, I wish I wrote this. Like I yeah. like. And then I think, even if I wrote this, I couldn't do it like she does it. Yeah. First of all, she has an amazing voice, and the arrangements are just so awesome. But uh, yeah, it's just a killer album from front to back. And then the three songs I think that we that I pulled off the album are some of my favorites. And right, it's just super sweet. So, talk to me a little bit about the idea of sort of parental influence because this mm. is this is something that I've always sort of wondered about. Yeah, um, because you know we're at we're at a point now where many of our sort of musical contemporaries are the children of musicians. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, like your, your old man's yep. a musician. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, you know, as are the parents of many of our, of our friends. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's always perplexed me because on, on the one hand, you know, you have this sort of instinct to rebel against the music of your parents, yeah. but at the same time, like if it's good stuff, it's yeah, good stuff yeah, totally. and you're going to kind of go into it. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah. I've actually like thought about that recently both my parents had a huge influence on me in like every aspect of my life, obviously, but also in terms of like artistic uh, things. Basically, my dad was definitely the more like rock and roll right. style side of things, um, and that was that influence for me. And my mom was sort of more on like the R and B and like a bit to a certain extent rap. Mm-hmm. So both those things are like basically the music that I listen to now. Um, so that was a huge influence on me, as well as the fact that my dad was a musician, like you said, right. and a producer. Um, and my mom's a filmmaker. So, right. like, both those things are also kind of what I basically just went into right. later on in my life as well. Um, the funny thing is that when I was a kid, I sort of, like, that's not what interested me, really. Right. My, my parents, my dad was like, do guitar lessons, like, do that stuff. And I was like, sure, I guess. Like, yeah, I'll do it. Um, I did it. And it kind of, like, I think as soon as it feels forced, you just don't want to do it. Yeah. And also your parents are telling you, you're like, I don't want to do this, whatever, mom. Yeah. So... <laughs> Didn't, I was like basically after like two years of doing it, I was like, I don't really like this. I wasn't like practicing at home. I yeah. just like didn't do it. Then like five years later, when I when I wanted to do it myself, yeah. then I started doing it, and I was like, I love this. This is what I want to do with my life. So it's like, I think to a certain sense, like oh, rebel against my parents. Yeah. But then it kind of came full circle, and now I'm just doing exactly what they did. Right. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> so well, it's kind of funny. No, it works out that way sometimes. Yeah. All right. Well, this is Feist on CJRU. Helping the kids out of their coats The way the babies have them in Unpacking the bags and setting up And planted lilacs and buttercups But in the meantime I got it hard Second floor living without a yard Maybe years until the day My dreams will match up with my pain
tip my cap on little rock belly on
Alrighty, if you're just tuning in, that was three different songs from Feist's Let It Die. 
we are here in the studio with Jacob Switzer from Goodbye Honolulu. Uh, and Jacob has put out a solo project under the name Jay Feelbender. Uh, you've been releasing solo stuff for pretty much as, as long as I've known you. But what, mm-hmm. what's been? Di- I mean, so you went through the name change. You went from Headspace to Jay Feelbender. Yeah. Um, what's what was behind that transition, as well as what's what's new about this new release? Um, so I guess speaking on the transition first, Headspace. When I first started doing it, uh, it was it was right after I think uh, I finished being in that band Creep Creep Beach that we were talking right. about earlier. And I didn't, in Creepy Beach, I just sang. I just was mm-hmm. a singer. Um, I wasn't really super, I didn't feel good at any instrument mm-hmm. at that point. I was just kind of learning, reteaching myself. Um, so I started just messing around at home, playing music. Mm-hmm. And the best way for me, I felt like, was just to record while I was, like, I just was basically mm-hmm. started writing music immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really got into the, like, playing, like, covers or, like, doing mm-hmm. anything like that. I just kind of immediately started just, like, writing music with like two chords mm-hmm. that I could play. <laughs> so it was really the reason I called it Headspace was because it was literally just my headspace. Like mm-hmm. it just was like what I was doing at home, what I was thinking about things in the moment. Um, you know, a lot of it originally was about just like being in high school and being anxious and like my first girlfriend and whatever, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, so that was sort of, I guess, speaking again to how it's developed, like that was the uh, initial part of it. I think a lot's changed since then. So right. it just kind of changes with my life. Um, but also the name change was because Headspace, like I said, it was just like an off the cuff kind of name I came up with because right. again, like it was just literally what I was thinking about. It was my Headspace. Then when I started actually kind of thinking about like realistically releasing music as this kind of solo project, it was like first of all, there's this app that came out, this meditative meditation app, yeah. which is pretty dope. But like, it was just so much bigger than anything. Right. <laughs> so it was like anytime you look up Headspace, it was that. There's also like a German metal band or a Swedish metal band or something that was like not huge, but they had more followers than I did. So right. like every time you look up, it was like that or the meditation app right. or anything else. So then I added like Jacob Switzer to it and it was like Headspace Jacob Switzer. But then I just was like, I don't know, I'm just going to come up with a new name. Yeah. So on my last Headspace album, which was Jacuzzi 23, uh, there was two songs that I had just written that one was called Casey Feelbender and it was kind of about wanting to be someone else right. and then like the name I came up with was just Casey Feelbender and I right. was like uh, I kind of like Feelbender it's kind of right. cool like the name the, that word kind of came with like you know when you like the, the term of going on a bender when you're kind of right. like messed up whatever like you go on a bender and then I was like but rather than like getting drunk or whatever it is it's like you're kind of just like going on a bender of like feels right. <laughs> so okay. you're just like really emotional you're just like just just one of those days one of those nights where you're just like kind of tripping out yeah. and like you just like your emotions so that was kind of that word it was like feel bender just like going on a trip um, and then Jay just Jacob right yeah. so Casey I was like that that was a cool song whatever but I, I didn't really like I wasn't stuck on Casey yeah. um, and then also on that album I had a song called Karaoke Feelbender right. which just kind of tied into that too so I was like alright Feelbender is kind of a theme now I want to change my name Jay Feelbender that's where yeah. that came from alright yeah. cool we're uh, we're going to listen to one of the new songs from Jacob's uh, latest solo release as Jay Feelbender. The song's called Dancing Under the Moonlight. What can you tell us about this yeah. specific tune? It's Dancing Under the Blue Light. Under the Blue yeah, yeah. Light, holy. But actually, funnily enough, I while I was singing it, I actually kept saying Moonlight because it just right. feels like that's what it would be. <laughs> yeah, right. And Blue Light, like, but yeah, Blue Light is what it, it was. Dancing Under the Blue Light. And um, the beginning of it is like, so throughout the album, I was talking to you earlier, uh, the kind of interludes are this... Uh, 1950s housewife who basically takes acid um, under the under the supervision of like the government at the time mm-hmm. who were basically I guess doing like experiments with yeah like acid. MK Ultra yeah. like CIA yeah. type thing 
So that's kind of the interlude throughout the album. In the beginning of this song, there's a snippet of that, and basically she's just tripping out and talking about how beautiful everything is. And I mm-hmm. thought that was really like it's honestly kind of an emotional video. Like it's like super like beautiful. Right. So that's the beginning of this song, um, which you'll hear when we play it as well. Uh, this song I'm also going to be making a video for in the next few weeks. All right, um, cool. So, so I, I, I suspect by the time this airs, it, it might even it might even be out. Might even be out. So yeah. Alrighty, man. Well, before we close it off, have you got anything you want to plug promote? Um, I guess just go listen to my new album, Haze 11, Jay Fieldbender, just released. Um, and when this comes out, it'll be out for uh, probably a couple months, so check it out. Um, also, by the time this is coming out, we're probably going to be going on tour as Goodbye Honolulu. Got a couple tours coming up going with the beaches and fadeaways uh, next month, February. That might be before this uh, comes out. And then we're going to be going on tour with a band Hockey Dad from Australia in the States as well. So if you're around, check us out on social media, Goodbye Honolulu or Jay Fieldbender. Thanks, thanks, y'all. Yeah, thanks for coming in. This is Jay Fieldbender with Under the Blue Light on CJRU. How do you feel inside? I've never seen such infinite beauty in my life. It's like a... a curtain or a spider web. Can you see it? It's right here in front of me, right now. Take another slow dive 